what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films, film reviews and discussion from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. Do you enjoy seeing interesting movies that you may not see anywhere else? Taking part in discussions about those films and live in Western North Carolina? Then you need to come be a part of the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, welcome to Foot Candle Films. This is our first episode of 2012. I am Alan. With me is Chris. Chris, how are you doing? Hello, Hey. Foot Candle Land. Yes, we are uh, so happy to be with you. Beginning of 2012 to talk about some films. Uh, we're changing the format a little bit going into 2012 it's here. Year. It's a new year. We're going to try to shake things up a little bit. Before, we were just pr- pr- producing one episode a month. Kind of our supersized episode every month. Sure. And that's fine. We're, we're still putting out the same amount of content. We're going to break it into two smaller episodes, though, throughout the month. So today's episode, or tonight's episode, whatever time of the day you may be listening to this, we're going to be handling the first part of the show where we're going to be reviewing our Foot Candle film of the month. In a couple of weeks, stay tuned because we're going to be putting out a second episode for the month that is going to have some more fun stuff that we'll tell you about here in a little bit. But... This being the first episode of the month, we are going to discuss our Foot Candle film of the month. We just finished watching the film. It's fresh on our brains. So let's go ahead and talk about The Guard. Sergeant Jerry Boyle. Cop shop. Oh, was it a sheep or something? It's a lamb. I mean, what would his parents think? I've got some information about that murder last night. What murder? How many murders have you had in the last 24 hours? Well, that's for us to know and you to find out. Oh, I wish they brought me handcuffs. <laughs> so, The Guard, Chris, I don't have to explain to you what the film's about. Well, you just saw it with me a few minutes ago, but let's sure. explain a, the short summary to everybody else out there. Okay. Brendan Gleeson, who, uh, known, uh, I guess here in the States, he did have a role in the Harry Potter films. Uh, he was also in a film that I know you and I both really enjoy called In Bruges mm-hmm. with uh, Colin Farrell a few years ago. And Brendan Gleeson is the star of The Guard. Uh, it is a dark comedy with some crime drama elements thrown in. Uh, but it's pretty much his show. He is a, a guard, a police officer uh, in a little town in Scotland. Ireland. Ireland. I always get those guys confused. I'm sorry. Uh, Actually, that goes along with the movie really well. It does, they, right. Yes. Yeah, it's exactly. It's awesome. <laughs> well, he's a he's a small town cop who gets involved with a much bigger uh, drug deal situation. Drug dealers from England are now moving over, and it's kind of a – it becomes a little more crime-infested area. Sure. And they bring in an FBI – or is it C-A-E-I-A? That's another joke for the film, exactly. if you see the film. Uh, a From the America, uh, from the America, from America, who's played by Don Cheadle, who uh, plays an American agent who's brought in to help assist with the case. And you get a little camaraderie between the two, a little animosity. The two work together to try to help solve this crime and rid their town of these drug dealers. 
fair enough description. Yeah, yeah okay. I think that's spot on. So let's talk about what we each thought of it. And Chris, I'm just going to toss it over to you to get started. Uh, having seen In Bruges, because mm-hmm. there is a lot of similarities. Uh, the director of this film, The Guard, is the brother of the director of In Bruges. Mm-hmm. And the In Bruges both starred Brendan Gleeson. Right. Both were dark comedies with crime and violence and all that thrown in. Uh, very focused on witty dialogue and banter between characters. How did this compare to that film in your mind? And uh, are you anxious to see what the McDonough brothers are going to be either one doing in the future? Well, I, how did it compare to Ambrose? That's kind of a hard question because I really, really liked that movie. Um, it was so stylistically, in my mind, different, like cinematography-wise. It was completely um, different, but it did have a lot of the same kind of bantering dialogue. Um, I would say it's right up there with mm-hmm. Bruges. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, however, going into the movie, I was expecting kind of a Irish lethal weapon movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I thought it was going to be. And so I thought it would just kind of, I didn't think it would really impress me. But I came away from the movie a lot more impressed than I thought I would be. I liked it a lot more than I expected going in. And I can attribute that probably to the fact that it wasn't just an Irish Lethal Weapon movie. Well, let's key off of that a little bit because that's actually a comment I was going to make too is the film, I can't decide if it's trying intentionally to play against the stereotype, the cliche of the normal buddy cop movie, or if it's embracing the buddy cop movie formula, because it actually has both sides of the coin here. Hmm. Uh, You mentioned the lethal weapon comparison. There is some valid comparison there. You have two characters, a very animos, a lot of animosity between them at first. Right. Uh, They're from two different cultures, two different worlds, two different viewpoints on how to solve a crime like this. They come together. They do have some bonding moments, just like in a typical buddy cop movie. In the end, they both, Go in guns a blazing to try to take take the bad guys down. Sure, a lot of similarities, but at the same time, I think they are also. I, I, I get the impression the filmmaker likes the idea of the buddy cop formula movie. Oh yeah, and wanted to play with that, but he also wanted to throw some things in there to make it a little a little different. Um, that's the impression I got. Is he he wanted to, he wanted to tinker with it, but yet he really honestly loves this formula. He loves this idea of putting these two opposites together and yet they become friends and work together despite each other. Yeah. I would say, um, he obviously likes the formula like you're mentioning, but there were enough twists and turns, which I wouldn't have expected, which Mm -hmm. I was kind of surprised that it kind of went away from some of the conventional tropes of a buddy cop movie. They actually kind of subverted those, but, um, and that's what kind of impressed me. With the with the movie, the relationship between Brendan Gleeson and his mom. Oh yes, um, he has a a mother that's a dying mother. Yes. Uh, she's kind of in last stages of some some illness. Yep. And uh, but yet a very very uh, tight relationship the two have, and you get to learn a little bit more about them as the movie goes along and their relationship and kind of why he is the person he is. Um, yeah, it, was, it was a nice relationship. I agree. I think it was done really well. And it wasn't. It was to prove, I think, the side of him, the, like his humanity, shows mm-hmm. his softer mm-hmm. side. Or, but it wasn't heavy-handed in doing so, and uh, I really appreciate that. And actually, I'm not going to spoil anything, but how that concluded and when it concluded in the film 
kind of surprised me. Yeah, um, I was sure. kind of I was like, oh, and they're okay. Yep, <laughs> that, that was the way it went. Kind of surprised mm-hmm. me, you know, and very yeah. atypical. I thought. Yeah. I I really I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was a great film. I actually, in a way, I like it a little bit better than In Bruges, really? but for different reasons. Huh. Interesting. Um, I liked the characters here better, hmm. although I like the story better in In Bruges. Okay. All right. This the story was kind of inconsequential to me. I mean, it was a you know it's a crime film. There's some drug dealers who are doing some nasty things, and they're trying to get away with it. That's sure. basically the story. Mm-hmm. In Bruges was a little more of a complex story, a little more twists and turns, and some things happening. What I really liked about this film, The Guard, though, is just the characters themselves. I mean, you take Brendan Gleeson's character, and he nails it. I mean, it is yeah. just a fun character to watch. He's never cartoonish no. to the extreme. He has the moments where obviously it's silly and he's doing things that are very odd or pe- peculiar or you know, embarrassing, but he never pushes it to that boundary where he becomes a uh, he becomes a cartoon. Mm-hmm. He never becomes an exaggeration of that character. He is always within the realm of what you could see somebody doing. Sure. Um, and then when he gets serious or actually shows his brighter side – it's never to the point where he becomes this completely redeemable character either. Right. He has his flaws and he has his flaws up until even the last few scenes. Oh yeah. So it's never that he becomes this redeemed character. It's he's, he's a human being that just is a very eccentric, interesting character that you just really like to learn a little bit more about as the film goes along. I like the fact that almost every scene you were learning a little bit more about his personality. Right. You didn't have it all figured out in the first couple scenes. And that I really liked. Um, I liked the characterization of the bad guys. I thought the bad guys were fun in this movie and not cartoonish again. Right. Uh, you actually hear some of their dialogue when they're sitting around waiting for something to happen or waiting for the next step of their plan to fall into place. The dialogue they have, the thoughts they have, the it's all very natural. It's mm-hmm. funny. It's, uh, it's just an entertaining to listen to and, and, and get to know these characters a little bit more. So I, I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was a really fun film. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's great. And I'm, I'm definitely sold with both these guys as directors, as brothers. I'm, I'm on board for anything else they have to, to throw at us. Were you frustrated that Mark Strong wasn't given more to do? No. no? I'm, I'm a little – Mark Strong played one of the lead bad guys, and I – I'm a little I'm a little burnt out on him. He's been oh, in actually a lot of films the last couple oh, yeah, of years. He has, he has. And yeah, he always plays the tough bad guy for the most part. And Steven uh, stairs. Yeah. And all that kind of so I actually was happy. I was afraid he was going to be like the only dominant villain in the film. And I like the fact that there were three mm-hmm. fairly evenly spread time wise. And mm-hmm. uh, all three were very interesting. So, no, I was actually OK with his limited screen time. Yeah. Uh, I do have to give props to a couple of the scenes in the film that I just thought really were outstanding. Uh, It showed a little bit of a director's flair, a little bit more style than uh, you had to have in a film like this, but it just added a nice extra element to it. There is a scene where we have Brendan Gleeson's uh, guard character having um, basically a verbal standoff with one of the the, uh, three drug dealing uh, criminal masterminds. Mm -hmm. This one being a psychotic or sociopath is still that was another joke in the film about trying to decide how to label this individual but the two of them are are basically you know sitting down having a conversation where the psychopath is planning on shooting brendan gleason's character by the end of the conversation 
And it's just interesting to see how that conversation goes. But the whole conversation was shot where it's, you're looking straight at their faces, just flip flopping between them. Right. Uh, nothing else in the shot except just their tight faces as they're having this dialogue. And it just really worked. I just felt like I was really sitting right in the middle of these guys and just very, very anxious to see where the, uh, the ping pong match went with the next bit of dialogue. So that was fun. I, I, I agree. I also really liked that scene. I liked the scene where, was his name Liam Cunningham? Mm-hmm. In the malt shop, there's also a very similar scene yes. where it's kind of a back and forth, not shot the same, but a back and forth scene between Brendan Gleeson and that other bad guy. And I, I like that as well. That's what kind of got me frustrated. Even though I agree, Mark Strong has kind of been overdone, but he didn't have kind of a back and forth scene with Brendan Gleeson. The mm-hmm. other two did. I don't know if it got cut in the editing room or whatever, but it was like each one of them had their one-on-one time with Brendan Gleeson and Mark Strong didn't. So I was kind of, hmm, and I was expecting it, but then he, he never got it. I didn't so, think about that, but that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, um, I guess copycatting or being a copycat is the sincerest form of flattery, copying somebody. Mm-hmm. And if I had to say a criticism of the film, I would feel like even though it was kind of mocking buddy cop films and it was throwing barbs at typical Hollywood films and saying things like, Oh, well you probably expect this to happen. And they mm-hmm. would you know, talk a lot about it. They were, I felt like the director was kind of copying a lot of Quentin Tarantino's trademarks. Um, not like verbatim per se, but like the font that was used in the credits, the use of music in the film, mm-hmm. um, some of the clever ways they did dialogue were, and actually, if you think about it, the stage scene or the the scene between the criminal and Brendan Gleeson, where they're having kind of a sh- confrontation in the malt shop, was very similar to Pulp Fiction. Well, it's very so, similar. I, mean, I, I was actually going to ask you about the stylistic choices of the film because I, I, I'm with you. If there was one thing I was going to be a little critical of the film for, is that it made some stylistic choices that I don't know had to if they had to be there or not. Hmm. Um, and I think you summed it up pretty good. I think the uh, some of the font and the uh, on, on the titles and the credit sequences, the music choices, um, some of the visual elements thrown in there. I, I, I wondered at time if they were all necessary or not. I thought the characters and the dialogue were enough to carry this film without having to add some of those more quirky elements just to kind of make it a little more hip, edgy, whatever direction they were going for that. Hmm. Um, that was a little unnecessary, but not a, a, not a bother, not something that turned me off to the film, just something I saw as uh, maybe a little aping of a, of a Tarantino or other stylists and directors. But yeah. otherwise, I, I personally didn't really have any other issues with the film other than some of the accents were a little hard to follow <laughs> at times. It would have been nice to have a little more subtitles. But um, I got qu- two questions for you. The yeah. first one was the boy that is kind of – a character that's on a bicycle and appears at random little mm-hmm. points throughout the film. Do you, what do you attribute to that device, that character, or do you attribute anything to it? And it was something more than just maybe a little bit of humor or. I, I, I think that's all it was in my okay. mind. Uh, this, this kid just basically kind of pops out in different places and uh, he seems to be a very intelligent kid who kind of knows more than what you would expect him to know. And, uh, just a lot of quirky things he says and interacts with the uh, with the with the different characters in the film. I just saw it as something fun to throw in there. Didn't really have anything more to it, but uh. yeah, I, I kind of I think I guess I'm on the same page with that, with the exception of 
the one thing that I kind of took away from it was that towards the end of the film, Brendan Gleeson sees the boy on the side of the road and kind of smiles. And the way he has this look towards him, it's almost like he sees him. I was kind of thinking that he sees himself in that kid. Hmm. And maybe that's how he got into being the cop that he is, is because as a kid, maybe he went around and messed around and stuff and stuff that he shouldn't have gotten involved with. But then he straightened out, so to speak, and then he became this cop because he references kind of his childhood to his mom, like, oh, I wasn't always such a good kid. She's like, oh, well, whatever. You know, mm, like that. Right, yeah. And so, like, because in the film, he makes statements to this boy, like, oh, you're kind of getting into things you shouldn't really be getting into. But then mm. he obviously has a fondness for the little boy. Sure, sure. Because so, he never had, he mentions that he never had has had kids, and he's kind of always wanted kids. But, you know, so I don't know. I thought that was kind of an interesting little mm-hmm. little thing for the film. Second. Yes. The language in the film, not the dialect, right? but specifically the profanity. <laughs> Very um, heavy profanity-laced film. But let me say this. Okay. Um, the only movie I can really think of where profanity was just like so insane, and to me it was like comedic, but it served no purpose and actually stopped being funny, was Harlem Nights, which is a completely different movie. Oh. But they swear, like it's just profanity. Oh, I remember that. Profan- and it's just like really, really yeah, profane. Yeah, it was bad. And I didn't think the movie was that good, but it's like they just kept like cussing up a storm. In this movie, they do that, like within the first couple of minutes, there were audience members that were commenting like, wow, they could really lay off the F word. Yes. I mean, they was just mm-hmm. constantly being used. But I find, found myself, you know, 30 or 40 minutes into the film Kind of like that, just washing over me. Yes, and it actually, to me, made the film more realistic because it was like that's how these guys—they were the criminals—were the ones who were really the abusive ones with the F word. But it was like they would use it three or four times within the same sentence. Oh, sure. And it was like that's just how they were rattling it off, and it seemed more naturalistic for them to be doing that. You know, it didn't. It was seemed like it would have been fake if they would have suddenly just stopped it throughout the film. No, they kept it up for the entire film. There was like profanity. And I thought that was actually effective. And I think, I think I'd have to watch the film again to be completely sure. But there's one time when Brendan Gleeson is with his mom mm. and they're having, you know, a nice conversation. He mentions something. And instead of using the F word, he like comes up with like a, you know, a, a polite way of saying it. And then right. his mom actually kind of laughs and then she uses the F word and it's kind of like, no son, we can be real or whatever. And he laughs. And it's kind of like a, uh-huh. it's a funny moment that, Oh, he was going to clean himself up to talk to his mom. And then she comes right out and says it yeah. anyway. So it was just, it was little clever things like that, but I actually thought it added some realism to it. I, I agree. I, I, it did seem to wash over after a while. You don't really pay as much attention to it. I still question, though. I mean, Chris, I don't know anybody, and I don't want to say I've hung out with different walks of life people, but I don't think I've ever met anybody dropping the F-bomb multiple times in a sentence, every single sentence they say. I could be wrong. I thought it was a little overdone, almost to say, you know what, we're going to just push the envelope with this. See how we can get away with? Yeah, in a way. (laughs) That's the way it seemed to be after a while. Um Huh. But there again, I, it didn't distract me after a while. It was one of those things that just you got in the habit of hearing, and that's just the way everybody was talking, and that's fine. you know. Well, and I, I would say, like, if they were – I would kind of agree that maybe it was a little much, but the thing that impressed me was pretty much the only swear word they used was the F word. Oh, yeah, that was, was pretty like, much that's it. Just, but it was – to me, that that's why it wasn't just let's see how many you can get away with. It's like it was saying something about the characters that – 
they have a very limited vocabulary, <laughs> and that's the only word. And instead of actually thinking about what they're saying, they're just throwing that word out repeatedly because yeah. that's just what they are. Could be. You know? Yeah, I, I could so, see that. Because if you think about it, they didn't have all these colorful, like, swears. No, it was just the F word yeah. <laughs> over right. and over again. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, let me ask you a question, too. Okay. So on Rotten Tomatoes, which I enjoy visiting the website to yeah. see what rating uh, uh, it takes a composite of all the the critics' reviews, what percent of them are positive, which percent are negative. Right. This movie got a ninety five percent positive rating, which on Rotten Tomatoes is extremely high. That means basically, you know, one out of every what would that be? One out of every twenty critics didn't like it. The other nineteen did like it. Right. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. Did I get that right? I don't know if I did a percentage. Oh, no. right. But basically, you guys write almost, me right in if I'm wrong. Almost everybody who saw it. Liked. Almost everybody. Right. So, but my thinking was, yeah, I'm looking at this, and although I liked the film a lot, I thought it was very enjoyable. It's not a film that's going to rack up awards. It's no. not going to, you know, it's not going to be this critical darling film. It just seems to be an overall agreeable, fun film. Would you agree? I mean, it's not like anything about it is profound nothing yeah. about it is going to stand the test of time it's not a film that years from now people are going to be remembering and talking about no but yet it's got 95 percent ratings from critics i think it's just one of those things where it is a overall generally good agreeable fun film well, that doesn't turn off too many people that doesn't do too many things wrong does enough things really really well to keep people excited and interested in watching it and overall, it's a successful movie. And I think it also comes to the people who saw it liked it. Yeah. Whereas with other films, so many people, so many more critics see it and are like, oh, I didn't like that. That actually drags the rating down. But in this, yeah, you've got such a small That's window a good point. of people who have seen The Guardians. It was a limited the people, release. Yeah, the yes. people that have seen it are kind of like, oh, yeah, I like it. Whereas yeah. if it went out to the general public a lot more people would be reviewing it and then it'd probably drag that score down a little bit. I still mm-hmm. don't think it would go to like, it wouldn't go rotten, but it may be lower. Yeah. Okay. You know? I could see that. I could see so. that. Well, The Guard, by uh, directed by John Michael McDonough and uh, starring Brendan Gleeson and Don Cheadle. Uh, we both give it you know, our, our, a positive review here. We're saying it's a good film. You ought to check it out. Um, uh, if you can make out some of the thicker do- uh, accents, <laughs> you can handle a few F-bombs being thrown at you at rapid fire. Yes. Um, and a little little on the violent side at times. Not much. Not too bad. It, um, it starts off pretty heavy, but tapers off. Yeah, it does. Mm, yeah. Overall, it's just a fun movie to learn these characters and get to know them a little bit better, especially the lead the lead character. And uh, enjoy a little more subversive buddy cop film. And I'll that say angle. that if you are afraid that you've seen the trailer and you've seen what are going to be the funny bits in the movie don't worry about it there are plenty more there's in plenty because there. a lot of times that, that is a you know a curse as you see the trailer like oh that looks awesome and you see it like yes and those jokes are the only ones in here and i saw them there yeah, were plenty, plenty more, more so. there there was definitely a lot of laughter in the uh, in the film itself so yeah. great it is available on dvd right now i believe already mm-hmm. and uh, so we definitely encourage you to check it out if you have any interest and as a sub note on that if you uh, kind of look at it this way if you like the guard we definitely encourage you to check out in bruges if you've seen In Bruges and you enjoyed it, you definitely need to check out The Guard. Exactly. The two are very complementary and very much work the same angle on things. I think from a style and humor and dark comedy, uh, crime, 
violence, everything. It's very, very similar in, in style with one another. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. And we're back at Foot Candle Films. Uh, well, we just finished our main review show, uh, for the show, uh, the film The Guard. But we also like to spend a little bit of time before we close out the episode uh, talking over some, some movie news tidbits. Normally in this kind of section, I like to come up with some headlines, some uh, movie-related news, either films that are in production or something interesting happening with a film that we may have some interest in. And I like to surprise Chris with this most of the time and not tell him in advance what we're talking about because I like for him to respond naturally and see where his head is on these things. So let me go ahead and do it. The first one I know you're probably going to have an opinion on. Excellent. Because I know, I, I believe you're a fan of the original film in this series. Hmm. Ridley Scott oh. is making a new sci-fi film. It's right. called Prometheus. Right. Coming out this year. And it is a pseudo film tied into the Alien franchise. Now, Ridley Scott, of course, did the first Alien movie. Correct. Considered a classic by many. Myself included, <laughs> you I assume as oh, well, yes. Chris. Yeah. Uh, then it went on to you know being uh, taken over by James Cameron for the second film. David Fincher did the third film, mm-hmm. not as good. And then the fourth film. The only thing I remember about my fourth the fourth film is that my wife and I saw it on our honeymoon in England. Nice. Yeah, that's that's my memory of it. I could not tell you anything more about the fourth Alien film. Uh, it was directed by the guy who did. I think the guy who did Mick Max, John Pierre you know. Oh, was that it him? Was, it was real bizarre. Yeah, yeah, it was a very odd odd version of the yeah, film. Anyway, yeah, I still liked it, but kind of weird. Yeah, it was very strange. Anyway, so Ridley Scott kicked it all off. He started it back in the late seventies. Supposedly, he's revisiting that universe. He is revisiting the alien story, but he's being very sly about it. He's not calling this a true prequel to Alien. He's not saying it's a direct tie-in to Alien necessarily. But it, from what we've seen in the preview so far, the trailer that's come out, the teaser trailer, mm-hmm. it is the Alien universe. Right. We just don't know if we're actually going to see the aliens in it or not. What do you know about this? Is this is this something you feel like is a good move? Are you excited about it? Or is it one of those things where we're starting to dilute some of these classic franchises by just adding more to it? Well, okay. Disclaimer, which I've made before. I am an absolute sucker for science fiction. I have a weakness for it. Um, especially science fiction that's done by people that I think are capable. Ridley Scott being one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I'm. I do know about it. I'm excited. I saw. I had heard about it. and I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. So it's kind of like a prequel to Alien, but it is Ridley Scott doing it? So it's probably going to be okay. I saw the trailer. I can't tell you why I'm excited about it, but I am because it's like, well, what did you get out of that trailer? Why does mm. it make you excited? I think it's the music, it's the tone of it, um, and it looks like it's going to be pretty amazing. I think I'm going to like it, kind of like I liked. Batman Begins, you know, it's like, oh, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, I like the director. You know, he did Memento, but he's just doing a Batman movie. He's rebooting it. Oh, gosh, another reboot. But then it's like such a fresh take. It's so it's such a creative Genesis story that you're like, wow, that's awesome. And I think that's kind of how I feel about Prometheus. 
I want to say that he's doing it because he really thinks it's going to be a good movie. He's not just doing a cash grab. It's mm-hmm. not like, uh, didn't really Scott do um, Hannibal after he yes, did? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made the uh, sequel to Silence, Silence of the Lambs, of the Lambs which and I think was that was good. just a pure no. money grab. Yeah, yeah. so it was like, oh, okay, Silence of the Lambs is popular. I'm going to do Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like, and I think he's been quoted as something like, I was I wanted to visit this genre again of science fiction, but I needed I needed the perfect subject material. And when he saw the script, he's like, "Okay, yes, this is this is mm. how I'm going to get back into it." I, I hope that's Michael the case. Fassbender, 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 uh, Fassbender. yes, has him in it. It does. So, and he which we like good stuff. We like Michael Fassbender here. Yes, uh, I'm I'm excited as well because I do like Ridley Scott as a director, even though. Recently, I've not been as crazy about his recent films. Yeah, um, there with but you. he does. He has made some of my favorite films. And Blade mm-hmm. Runner, I'm still a huge fan of. I like Blade Runner. Um, I thought the original Alien was great. Mm-hmm. Um, Gladiator. Gladiator, I really like. Yeah. I like Gladiator. Yeah. Um, so he's made some really, really excellent films, and he's just a talented filmmaker. I, I'd like to believe. I, I hope you're right. That it really is that he said, I don't want to do sci-fi again until I've got just the right story. I hope that's the case. I hope it's not, wow, Robin Hood kind of bombed at the box office and <laughs> a couple other films I've made in the last few years didn't do too well. So, ooh, let's go back to the well where I did make some money. Sure. I hope that's not the case. But we'll definitely see the trailer is very ambitious. Yeah. Looks like it could be good. It could be what I kind of wanted out of Avatar, which is to have a true experience with a whole new world and everything. Wait, you actually wanted a story? Yeah. See, I kind of, that's why I was kind of <laughs> missing out of avatar. Right. Right. Um, or at least, a, was at least a good story. There was a story, just not a great one. Not a good one. Um, I kind of hope it's the same thing that I was hoping to get out of that film where it truly transforms me into an environment and just, that's what I'm looking for. I hope it's good. Uh, I'm really excited about that. All right. So we're talking sci-fi. We're obviously batting in your wheelhouse right now. So let's keep on going with that. Okay. One that you probably don't know as much about, and I personally don't, um, John Carter. Mm. John Carter of Mars. Did you read any of those old novels, the old uh, pulp novels at all? No. Okay. See, we're both kind of foreign to this concept. Uh, John Carter of Mars. Uh, Rice Bros, uh, the guy who did Tarzan. Oh, okay. I mean, that was some of his okay. old his old work. Okay, and it's a it was a pulp series. It's about a a, a uh, soldier back mm. in the Civil War Whoa. who somehow gets transported to Mars. As mm. you can tell, I know very little about this. Hmm. Uh, I'm not very well versed in this, but it's been a property that has not been touched in films for a really long time. Hmm. But it's a very classic property. So Disney is doing John Carter. A little bit of uproar because they dropped the of Mars because I guess it sounded more hip to say just John John Carter. Carter. Um, Disney doing it makes me a little nervous. Yeah. However, Andrew Stanton, who is a Pixar director, he did Finding Nemo. He did a couple of other Pixar films. This is his live action debut. Hmm. Now, the reason I, I kind of have a little bit of my hopes up on this, the latest Mission Impossible that just came out. Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol, right. directed by Brad Bird. Right. Brad Bird had been an animation director, went live action, was able to successfully transition his style of directing action sequences and energy into live action. Right. My hopes are the same things happening here, where this is a guy that just has a great visual style and is able to adapt it to a live action. 
I got to tell you that the trailers have not impressed me that I've seen on this film. Oh, it is they a, have trailers oh yeah, yeah, okay. they got trailers. Uh, it's a CGI fest. There's yeah. a lot of creatures, a lot of, uh, you know, it, 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 it looks like the worst parts of the, the Star Wars prequels. You know, it's um, funny. When you were describing it, at first, you was like, okay, it's the Tarzan guys, John Carter Mars. I'm like, okay, interesting concept. The moment you said Disney mm-hmm. and the moment you threw in it was the animation director, I immediately started thinking of, and I don't think these are Disney properties, but still, I immediately started thinking of the journey to the center of the earth garbage yep. with um, Brandon Fraser. And Ugh. then they've made a sequel with the rock that's coming out. That's Ugh. like, that's what I mean. Cause it's like a lot of CGI heavy stuff. And it's like, Ooh, kids, let's do an adventure. And it's like a very, you know, family friendly, but yet very formulaic and mm. blah movie. And yeah. that's what this sounds like. It's turning into. It could be and the trailers certainly look like mm. it's that way. It's too bad. Well, here's what I think just going to be fun to watch in a way is, is, there's a lot of people very passionate about this source material. So <laughs> kind of like it. when uh, the whole Watchmen was out a mm-hmm. couple years ago, other classic properties that get adapted for films, they're either going to hit it just right. And right. people are like, wow, that was actually a really good adaptation and embrace it and enjoy it. And it becomes a franchise or they're going to rip it to shreds. So <laughs> it's going to be kind of fun to see which way they go huh. on this in general. Do do our, from the previews? Do they show any actors? I was just curious if any actors. Yeah, the the lead them. actor is a. Uh, oh gosh, he had to ask me that name right, right now. now. I was just curious who was starring in it because that may give me. He's hope. the hunk of the month guy. Um, not Ryan Gosling. No, not Ryan Gosling. He's he he was uh, one of the leads in. The Friday Night Lights TV series oh, that I was actually a big, big fan, fan of. of. Yeah, I haven't Taylor seen Taylor Kitchener? Taylor, sure. boy, oh boy, that's not Don't know. something I know. But okay, uh, anyway, Friday Night Lights. I'm sure as soon as we get off the recording, we'll figure it out. But anyway, huh. guy, he's in a couple new movies right now. He's doing a film with Peter Berg called Battleship, which also is a huge <laughs> CGI, big 3D right. thing going on. Based on, on a on. board game. Based on a board game, but this one, this they've somehow incorporated aliens back into it now. So, yeah. Actually, did you know that supposedly at one point, I think Ridley Scott was supposed to do a movie yes. based on Monopoly, yes. which also sounds bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> what is it with all the board games I becoming movies I mean, you think about people now. reaching. Yeah. It sounds like they're reaching. When they're I'm waiting for games. the Jenga movie. There's got to be a Jenga movie where, you know, you people are like falling by hanging onto these <laughs> pegs. And stuff. Awesome. Anyway. Uh, so anyway, that's two science fiction properties because I knew you're a big fan. Yep. Uh, and I just wanted to throw it out there. It's a little bit of a... Yeah, my my co-host here getting married this weekend. Congratulations to you on that, Chris. So a little bit of my gift to you is I got to let you talk about sci-fi for the last 10 or 15 minutes. So (laughs) good. All right. Great. Well, that wraps up our review show for today. A couple of little housekeeping things. First off, you know, there's a contest going on here at the mesh. If you don't visit our website and learn more about it. But for those of you uh, playing along, the code for this show is guard 2011. That's the word guard. G-U-A-R-D, the number's 2011, GUARD2011. All right, with that, uh, we're also just inviting you to, if you have any feedback for us, if you saw the GUARD, you want to write us your thoughts, uh, liked it, didn't like it, agree, disagree on anything we said, you can either send us an email at info at themesh.tv, or even better, go on and call the MeSH line. That is a phone number we have set up, 828-619-0048. You can call and leave a voice message. Uh, just say you're calling up for Foot Candle Films. Leave your message. 
Uh, if it uh, works out pretty good, we'd love to play it on a future show or even just reference it in a future show. So we always encourage any feedback we can get on the show. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you thought of the films we're talking about. Uh, in about two weeks, there's going to be an episode posting where we're going to be talking about our picks for best films of 2011. We're going to be sharing both our best films that we showed within the Foot Candle film series. Right. And then also the best ones outside of the Foot Candle film series that we just happen to see uh, in a normal theater screening. We appreciate you sticking around and uh, giving us a listen. Uh, and we look forward to talking to you here in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. Staring at that McDonald's bag is making me hungry. Yeah, I don't think I should have eaten that. (laughs) Ah.